Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. And uh, I am your just-drafted leader for this meeting, because uh, apparently whoever was supposed to lead didn't show up. Uh, our meeting uh, topic is testing the limits of sobriety, I believe. Uh, please join me uh, in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference. Your will, not mine, be done. Thank you. Uh, this is a recorded meeting, uh, so I'd like to remind everyone uh, that in the spirit of the uh, 12th step, uh, the tape recorder cannot be turned off. If you don't wish to be taped, we suggest that you choose another meeting at which uh, to share or feel free to simply listen at this meeting. Uh, at this time, I would like to uh, introduce our speaker, who is Mike from Chicago, uh, who will share uh, his experience, strength, and hope for approximately 10 minutes on the topic of testing our limits of sobriety. Morning, everybody. My name is Mike. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Glad I'm here sober today through God's grace and you people. And uh, it's an interesting topic. Am I testing my limits? Um, I was thinking about uh, what to say about it, and I was thinking, well, I thought the whole point was that I didn't have any limits, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but I understand that what they're talking about is playing around the edges, and. Um, uh, so what do I want to say about it? Um, first of all, a little bit of my own experience, strength, and hope. Um, when I came in early on, I came in through another S fellowship, and there was a lot of debating in that particular fellowship about what was sober behavior and what wasn't, and people would, what, what did they used to call it, setting their own bottom line, and, you know, one guy would come in and say, I'm sober from this. And the next guy would say, yeah, well, I'm doing that because that's not part of my bottom line. And there was a lot of testing of the limits or whatever you want to call it. And the limits were sort of nebulous. And um, uh, for me, early on, luckily, um, I knew there were some limits I couldn't test. Uh, I knew pretty early on that I couldn't mess around with masturbation. I knew pretty early on that I couldn't mess around with pornography. Um, I struggled some at the beginning uh, with going to movies that, that had nudity in it, uh, but fairly early on I realized I couldn't do that um, and stay sober. So some of the more obvious limits or boundaries or pushing up against the edges, whatever you might want to call that, uh, I, I understood for myself even in that other fellowship and even where other people were saying that stuff was okay for them, I understood that it, it wasn't going to be okay for me. Um, 
And that was a blessing. I'm not sure why I understood that, but I just knew if I if I do those things, I'll do other things, and I'll, I'll be I'll be back out there in a in a hurry. I wasn't really happy about it, but um, but I I knew um, that I couldn't kind of mess with those things. Um, some other things took longer. Um, you know, it took me a long time to understand. It says in the white book, everybody's I think seen it. Uh, Unless you're a newcomer, but we have this book called the White Book. If if you are a newcomer and you might want to read it, and it says in there somewhere, uh, sex is optional. Um, I didn't really understand that till I was sober about 12 years, and uh, when and my wife had had our second child, and we were in a period where she was in charge of initiating any not only any sexual activity. But any talking about sex, I had promised her I'd stay out of it and uh, for an undetermined period of time that she would let me know when it had ended. And uh, we went, not that I was counting, but 90 days. <laughs> yeah, you know, the fact that I was counting was part of what proved to me that, you know, sex wasn't quite optional for me yet. But in those 90 days... As I was tempted to say something or to do what I'm really, really good at, which is following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law, where I wouldn't say a word, but I would make it clear without ever opening my mouth simply by a, a, a small movement of the face or, you know, a slight turning or, you know, there's all sorts of ways to communicate without talking. And I just, for, for the first time in my life, I didn't do it. I thought, I made a promise to this woman and then it became more important to me, I made a promise to myself. And I, and so for 90 days, there was no, really there was no acknowledgement that there had ever been any sex in our marriage for 90 days. It was as if it had never happened and I was beginning to wonder, was it ever going to happen again? Are we even ever going to have a conversation about this? And, uh, and, uh, finally sometime around that 90th day, she, she said something about it and I said, did, did you say the word sex? <laughs> That's literally what I said to her. She said, yes. I said, oh, good. Does that mean I can at least talk about it now, <laughs> please? And uh, amazingly, uh, when she did bring the topic up, uh, she had a lot to say about it. Took me through uh, our history together for over 12 years in a way that she never had before. And uh, I don't know what happened to her in those 90 days, but something magnificent did. What happened to me was I understood that sex was optional. Now, I haven't and I've mostly understood that since, certainly not perfectly, you know. But uh, so that to me uh, was a, 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 a limit or a boundary or, or, or an edge that I that I didn't even know I was walking along for a long time. But I was. I still thought I had a right, and I still uh, had demands. Uh, it says some in one of our books. It says the difference between a request and a demand is plain to anyone. And I thought, well, it's never been plain to me. <laughs> uh, uh, so. So that was uh, limit testing. You know, today, you know, I, I like to go to movies and uh, I like to go to plays and I like to get the weekly entertainment section to see what's coming up. And I have some fairly clear sort of boundaries around what I should be looking at in there and what I shouldn't. And uh, on a semi-regular basis, I cross them. I say, I really shouldn't read this article, but I'll just read a little bit more. You know, and I know that if I read a little bit more, I'm going to get triggered and I'm going to have to call somebody and I don't let it go too far, but I, I am capable of playing around those edges. 
Um, and I'm happier when I don't, because I'm more sober when I don't. So I think all of us, uh, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm just guessing <laughs> that all of us have uh, edges that we play around. Um, you know, I sponsor a lot of people, and a lot of people at our weekly meeting talk to me about stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we do that um, that we really aren't supposed to do. So we have guys who, you know, they're constantly struggling with stopping and starting masturbation. And I finally tell them, you know, then, then they get caught up in, oh, did I lose my sobriety? And did I go far enough to lose my sobriety? It just drives me out of my mind. <laughs> and I always say, I don't know if you lost your sobriety or not. Talk to your sponsor. But I know one thing. We don't do that. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to stop doing that. Not to sort of stop, you know. So that's one. And of course, and I know they have a whole track on it here, which I think is absolutely wonderful on the internet, you know. And uh, in some of my more grandiose moments, I want to give a lead someday. I probably never will, but I'll at least get to tell you my fantasy. I want to give a lead someday where I come in with a computer and a TV clicker, and I break them in front of everybody. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll have guys who will they struggle with TV, and I sometimes struggle with TV, and I've done this, although I'm pretty good about it. And I always say, well, you know, when I grew up, we didn't have a clicker. We had a TV book, and you had to get up to the TV to change the channel. And I said, that was much better for recovering sexaholics. <laughs> so I'll say to the guys, that's what I want you to do. I want you to... You know, some guys are just say no TV or no TV for a while. But guys who are trying to negotiate it, I'll say, well, if you don't want to play around the edges, get rid of the clicker and get a TV book. Well, they look at me like I'm A, a dinosaur, and B, out of my mind. Like, what are you, nuts? No clicker? Um, so someday I'd like to just come up and break a clicker and say, look, none of us died. And then the Internet one is, you know, oh, my God, the mental masturbation around the Internet. Think of all the man and woman hours we've wasted mentally masturbating. Forget all the hours we've wasted either mentally or physically masturbating looking at the Internet. How about just all the hours we, we've wasted talking about it, thinking about it, worrying about it, playing around the edges about it? Um, it's it's mind blowing, and I've seen people with good, solid, long term sobriety go down the tubes in about fifteen minutes because of one misclick, intentional, unintentional, or in most cases what I call semi-intentional, which I then, which I then translate into intentional. <laughs> you know? um, so, to me, it's what do I want in my life, you know? Um, and because I'm an addict, sometimes what I want is the old life. At least a part of me does. But what do I really want? You know, what I want today, more than anything else, I have to say this, is I want integrity. That's that's just for me. This could be something else for you. But for me, the thing I want more than anything else is integrity. I want to be able to walk down the street and not have to feel like I'm keeping any secrets from anybody about anything. I want to be able to look at my wife and say, you know, I may not be the greatest guy in the world, but I am who I am and she knows who I am. And I'm not trying to hide it. Um, and that doesn't mean, by the way, I used to think honesty. I remember uh, 
when we were dating, I was cheating on, she wasn't my wife yet, but, I, but she was, a, it was a committed, you know, we were heading in that direction and I was uh, cheating on her. And I thought honesty was to sit her down and tell her I was cheating on her. And I felt really good that night. I said, hon, I'm, I'm having sex with somebody and it's not you and I just want to be honest about it and let you know so you can figure out what you want to do about it. I thought that was honesty until somebody told me, no, honesty is not cheating on your girlfriend. <laughs> it's not cheating on her and telling her. It's not doing it, you know. So I don't want to get into the content because of anonymity issues, but one of the guys here said to me, uh, you know, I'm really struggling with this issue, and I'm doing this, this, and this, and he hadn't lost his sobriety, but but it was compulsive behavior. And, and uh, he says, but I'm telling my wife that I'm doing it. And I was like, well... I guess that's better than not telling her, but really what would be good is if you just didn't do it. <laughs> and I get that you can't not do it, but let's work the steps. Let's find a power greater than ourselves and start heading through 2 through 12 so that you'll find a way not to do it. Um, so for me, this issue, am I testing my limits? I, I, if anybody in here tells me, no, I'm not testing my limits at all, ever, I would either congratulate you as the greatest SA member in history or much more likely say, you're a big liar, now let's get to work. Um, so I guess the question would be, where am I testing my limits? And I guess the why question is important after I stop testing them and, and go back and figure out what the heck I was doing. I mean, I, I think there's value in that. But I think, the, I, I think it's a waste of time to be asking those questions while I'm still doing it. i, I got to find a way to stop. Um, because of what I said initially, which is I came here because I didn't have any limits. I mean, I had them and I couldn't keep them. I would say I will never do this and I would do it. I'm cheap. I would say if it costs more than this, I wouldn't do it. And I'm like a huge baseball fan, but I'll only pay so much money to go to a game. And if I say, no, nope, that ticket price is too much for me, I won't go. Even though, even though I love baseball, I won't pay, I will not cross my financial limit. I'm just too cheap. But in lust, I would find my, I'd be crossing my financial limits. I was shocked. I was shocked to find myself paying for things that I swore I'd never pay for because of how much they cost. So yeah, I had limits. I couldn't keep them. It's called step one. It's called powerless. So powerless people, I guess this is the point and then I'll shut up. Powerless people debating their limits to me is insane. The point is we don't have any and thinking I can play around an edge is uh, is is I don't ha I don't get step 1 yet. You know? And not, none of us are going to get it perfectly, but we keep talking to each other. Hopefully, we do less and less of these things. We become more and more people of integrity. That's it. Um, thank you, Mike. That was, uh, that was really an extraordinary share, actually. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I, I, I would like to um, open up the floor uh, for sharing. Uh, because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines uh, for the sharing part of the meeting. Uh, if you'd like to speak, please wait to be recognized. Uh, no cross-talking, please. And please keep your share to two to three minutes uh, so that we can allow everyone uh, 
who wants to share, hopefully, uh, his or her experience to be able to do so. Uh, and again, because this is a recorded meeting, uh, in order to share, you'll need to come up here and do it into the microphone. Okay? So floor is open. Oh. Actually, I pointed to the guy behind you, Mark, but that's okay. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jim Emery, covering sex adding. Thanks, Mike, for your share. Um, I really relate to the part around the Internet, which was really a big part of my downfall. And I remember when I first got into the program, uh, you know, I set certain limits around, you know, basically just not looking at pornography. And when that didn't work, I set the limits a little tighter. And then I went on to setting the limit to only using filtered computers. And I went on to set the limit that only using it when my wife was sitting next to me. And then eventually seven months ago, the limit was I can't ever use the Internet because that's really, you know, anything else is playing around the edges for me. So, um, but one of the things that, that, uh, really worked for me, I had a lot of resistance to making a list of these kinds of edge activities. And, um, I didn't do it for a long time. And because I was afraid of having all these rules, I figured, you know, if I started the list, it would get really long. And then I'd have all these rules and I'd have to remember them and I'd feel like I was imprisoned by all these rules. So, uh, one day it just occurred to me, maybe because I'm a, a father of four children and uh, my youngest one at the time was um, <clears throat> nine years old, and I was thinking about what I do as a parent to provide a safe environment for my kids. And, you know, of course, the Internet and other issues are always, uh, you know, issues for parents. And I just kind of looked at it from the point of view of um, setting healthy boundaries for the way I set healthy boundaries for my kids. I could do the same thing for me. And once I started to do that in a loving way, saying, you know, what can I set up to protect myself from acting out and from going back into my addiction, I was able to come up with about 70 or 80 things on this list. And it was really very helpful. I mean, it wasn't overwhelming. It was just like, and I worked with my sponsor, and we kind of really fine-tuned it and realized there were a lot of triggers in my life, and some were pretty, seemed pretty innocuous, but they were really big triggers for me. And once I had this list, which I keep on my computer and I review it pretty regularly so I don't forget some of these things, but it's been a real uh, blessing to me to be able to live a life there where I feel protected by my higher power, and that was my role, and that was just kind of taking care of myself and setting up those boundaries for me. Thanks. My name is Mark. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, I want you to know I've been listening to Mike speak since 1994. And uh, to say he's a great speaker is uh, is kind of an understatement. And I want you to also know that Chicago, sub, Chicago sobriety, Chicago recovery is some of the best in the United States that I've ever seen. And they do some really crazy things in there. And one of them is they have that check-in at the beginning of the meeting that take, you have to be able to check in your whole story in 15 seconds. It took me probably three weeks to actually get used to that. And I'm actually going somewhere with this because I'm really grateful because it's one of those things that in my recovery that has been so valuable to me to be able to check in everything, everything I can think of, everything I've ever done, everything I've ever thought about in under 15 seconds. Try it once. Um, from, time's up. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks a lot, Paul. I'll see you after the meeting. I know what car you drive. Um, one, of, one of the 
testing limits. Um, I, I'm so glad you said that because if, if I weren't testing the limits, I, it's so nice to know that I, I, I am actually am the greatest sexaholic uh, re- in recovery because I never test the limits. Of course I test the limits. That's why I'm in here because I've been testing my limits the whole time. And it's the, the important thing is to continue to take personal inventory and when I was wrong, promptly admit it. And I have to work that 10th step for myself. And I, and just as, just as you were speaking, and I so appreciate it, just as always, so, just as you were speaking, I got two or three things that popped into my head where I am testing limits, and I want to say at least one of them out loud. I'm testing the boundaries with, with TV. I actually have a boundary for my, for my sponsor. I have to travel overseas quite a bit. And when I travel overseas, the boundary is no TV at all. And it is the greatest time. When I travel overseas, I take stuff to do. I read. Read. Wow. Reading. Wow. What's that? Um, you know, and and. I actually use the computer sensibly. I actually email some of my essay brothers and sisters. I don't have any essay sisters that I know of. So what am I saying that for? <laughs> I have. A, I, I do things. I actually get out and I go to AA meetings and essay meetings overseas and I connect with people and it's great. I get home. What's the first thing I do? Sit in front of the TV and click that thing. Click that thing till I'm absolutely completely hypnotized to where you could call my name and say the house is on fire and I would not know what you were talking about. <laughs> And I and I, I want to commit right now that I'm going to do something about that today. And thank you for sharing, Mike. And thank you for letting me share. I have to be in four meetings a week with him. <laughs> uh, Mike. Hi, Michael, recovering sexaholic. Thank you. Uh, we definitely get our brand of Chicago from New Jersey from one of our members who uh, travels back and forth. So uh, thank you. Thank you for all the giant fans coming here today for the uh, game. <clears throat> um, one, of the, one of the major reasons that I came to this, this session, this jumped right out at me, was is testing my limits a sign of a deeper issue? You know, and you, you really hit it, which was, you know, when I'm testing my limits, uh, step one is out the window. And uh, I'm saying, well, you know, I came, I grew up in a boundaryless house, so boundaries are really not one of the things I could really talk well about. I'm doing better with them, but w- the, the thing that I really was struck with you were saying was, it's an inside job that I say, I can do this, it's, no one's going to catch me, it's not a problem, and before I know it, I said, ooh, got away with that one, now I'll try the next one, oh, got away... And before I know it, I get hit by the, the hurricane. And that's, it's that silent thing that kills me. It's, you know, I used to say, if I didn't get caught looking at that woman with my wife, I'm good to go. And then she would catch me and I'd be like, how the hell did you catch me? I was so good at looking really quickly and then looking away. And it's all that, you know, I thought I was really, really good at like hiding that stuff. And the deeper issue is that probably I keep saying, because I was in the other S fellowship where every week or day I had a new bottom line. (laughs) That worked. That didn't work. I could do that on Monday, but not on Friday. And before I knew it, I had no idea what my boundaries were. They really changed. You know, you give an addict the ability to change his boundaries and his bottom lines. Oh my God, it's a wreck. So that was why I stayed there for a while because that was fun. (laughs) And then, um, my sponsor at the time, he said, you know, there's another fellowship, but they're really strict. He goes, I'm not going there, but you could go there. I went, 
but that's what I probably need. And then, so I come into this fellowship and then I find myself saying to myself, and this is an inside job, which I hate because I could lie to myself. And you said integrity. That was so good to do because integrity isn't like you saying you're an honest guy. That used to be what I thought. If you told me I'm an honest guy, I got integrity. The real deal is if Michael says to Michael, you're an honest guy, that's the real deal. And sometimes Michael can't say that to Michael because the television, the movies, the clicking on the computer and uh, that that image comes up and you go, what's the article about? (laughs) I'm not looking at the image. I want to see what the article is about. No, if I'm really honest, I want to see what the image is all about and I want to get a, I want to get a hit. Cause I'm an addict and then I, all of a sudden step one is off the charts and I'm off to the races. And, you know, I got a long time of sobriety in another fellowship and I'm confused as hell sometimes at how this is different here. Because in that, I would not walk down the street if someone was smoking pot and go, can I just hang with you for a couple of minutes? Cause I don't really want to do that. No, I would want to take it from him, knock him down, and have it. But yet, in this fellowship, I constantly, that line is there, and I keep moving the line, and that is why I've been struggling. So that inside dialogue that says to me, am I okay with me? Am I setting up my own boundaries that I can live with, that I can appreciate and be honest about, is a really tough gig. i got to tell you, I, I would rather you tell me how I'm doing, then me, be honest with me. And the first step is that I am powerless. And um, i got to stop lying to myself because nobody else knows about it but me. And that is difficult because if I'm lying to myself, I'm definitely lying to you. And if I'm lying to myself, what am I trying to get away with? Who am I fooling? Why do I continually lie to myself when, in fact, I'm pretty much caught all the time, but I try to justify it. I can justify every behavior. I just wanted to read the article. I just was interested in this. This was like you said, you start reading the article. I know this is not a good thing, but let me see what happens if I go a little further. Probably just to say, you see, I'm not really on it. I don't ever really have a problem. I could probably could handle this. And then I probably get away with it then. And then about two days later, it hits me. And that's the thing that's insidious about this disease. This shit doesn't have, this stuff, <laughs> sorry, edit that out. This stuff doesn't happen like an automatic reaction. For me, it happens because I, I came into the fellowship. I didn't have any, I didn't know how to feel. So I, I don't have an instant feeler right now. But when in this fellowship now, I can feel my feelings. When it comes down the road a day or two, it, I don't know where it came from. How did it, where did it come from? Nothing happened five minutes ago. It was two days ago that I was limit, limit, limit. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. Half measuring all over the place. Half measures avail us of nothing. I don't like that. Half measures should be, avail me of half. But it doesn't say that. So, this is tough, man. This is, this is the bottom for me. This is the, the fellowship that is confused the heck out of me. and uh, But I'm glad that I'm here because as you keep saying that this is an inside thing that you can't see my Rolls Royce inside. You can't. You could can see it outside but not inside. I have to be able to have my own integrity with me and then I got a shot. Thanks.
Okay, please join me in a closing prayer. No, just kidding. <laughs> Hi, Matt. I'm powerless over lust. When I am in my full lust, I am lost. I'm lonely. I'm afraid. I'm angry. And I'm unworthy. So when I'm testing the boundaries in recovery, uh, uh, what, what happens is, uh, uh, where am I? <laughs> what am I feeling? What's going on? You know, and, and then, where's God? And, and I make a call. This is the best recovery tool besides prayer. Thank you. Is Michael Sexaholic. It's great to be here. This is like the topic of the weekend for me because um, I have no limits. I'm a sexaholic. And uh, this behavior goes over to the rest of my behaviors in my life. Um, I can't read just one book. I need to read like five or six at the same time and never finish any of them. Um, I uh, use a cell phone constantly while I'm driving, and I don't need one of those headpieces. I can, you know, I can drive safely, and you know, and the five or six uh, cops that have pulled me over don't really agree with that. So, um, so I really don't have limits, and I need to um, surrender that, and that's a really tough thing for me to do. Uh, so, really, what is the deeper issue? Which is definitely the the question um, describing this uh, this topic, and it really is uh, is disappointment. I've disappointed myself over and over and over again that I'm so accustomed to disappointing myself that I just want to do that one more time. So when I say I don't want to act out or I don't want to – I say uh, this is my limit for the internet or um, this is my limit for uh, for um, talking to women, well, you know, I don't really know that limit. So it's tough and I, I break it and then um, the cycle goes again. I feel like crap and then uh, again, here I am another time. So uh, the deeper issue is that I, I disappoint myself, and it's a lot to do with my self-love and that level of self-love. And a lot of days, that level is real low, and that's when I don't have any limits. And I don't want to put any limits on my fun, quote-unquote, of my dysfunction. And uh, the best thing I can do, though, is to be accountable. And that's what this program has taught me. Uh, I actually have an ac- accountability partner for reading, <laughs> I have a book accountability partner. <laughs> sort of unusual, but I can't read more, just one book at a time and finish it. I tell you, when I finish a book, I want to throw a party. So happy, you know. So it's the same thing when I get some, some days of sobriety together. I feel real good. I feel like, you know, I'm really can be myself and I'm not disappointed, but instead I'm actually finding and discovering who I truly am. And that's what this program has really taught me. And even this is what the addict uh, doesn't want me to learn, but I am actually learning it one day at a time. Thanks. My name's Landon. I'm a sexaholic. Um, when I really got into this particular, heavily into the program, when I first came into the S Fellowships, it was the other one where you could set your own bottom line. And... Um, I was looking at a, a sports page in this particular city where I was living in, and it said uh, relaxation and stress relaxation, and I thought it must be legal if it's in the newspaper. 
And therefore, that's when I began to experiment going into places for massage. And that's where um, I really began to go down to the bottomless pit and spending a lot of money that I didn't like spending. And now, today, um, if I just take a, a glance at a, one of those in the newspaper, that's testing my limits. If I do something online, I'm testing my, my limits. It's the insanity. And funny that the word, mentioned the word integrity. Um, that's the topic that I'm teaching in, in my course next week. So it meant that I was supposed to be here this morning. I have to really surrender my right to all those behaviors. Um, cable television at home and I feel like I'm too cheap to pay for HBO because well, we should have HBO and I know if I do that, it's my addict talking. It's better without it and just consider to go with the basic and to get up and actually use my hand to change the channel. It's a novel idea and I need to remember when I get into that pattern of clicking, 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 something's going on in my life and to put it down and make a phone call. Thanks. I'm Jeff. I'm a sexaholic. And uh, here are a lot of things I relate to here uh, about integrity, um, TV, movies, the Internet. Um, you know, I used to think that if nobody uh, if nobody saw me doing something and nobody was going to find out, then, you know, it never happened. And I was, you know, lying to myself. And, and you know, I really lost my integrity um, by doing that. And so uh, I ended up in inpatient treatment about 15 months ago. I've been sober 15 months, thank God. And... Um, you know, I came home and I was I was telling my wife about the um, the limits I was going to set for myself around TV, movies, the internet. We we took the internet out of our house seven or eight years ago, and then I started acting out at my parents' house on their computer, and then I was at work acting out on the computer, and you know, thinking that nobody nobody saw me there. Um, and so, you know, the TVs and TV and movies, we I've been pretty successful with setting limits for myself and. Um, then comes uh, stuff about the internet is I, I got a new job about eight months ago. So, you know, I've been sober 15 months. So this, this is the first job I've had where I'm actively in recovery and sober. And I'm in cor- corporate orientation and they're talking about how they have a zero tolerance policy for the computer, which is totally different from what, what I used to be. And internet access is not for personal use and, you know, cut down on personal email. So I went home and told my wife, this place is great, you know. The zero tolerance and you can't do this and you can't do that. And, you know, I was so happy to share that with her because that was, that would make her feel better. And, you know, when I got to actually doing the work, people in my department are using the internet for personal reasons. And, you know, I, you know, I started getting personal email and, and I told her about the personal email and she was very bothered by it. And I said, well, you know, it turns out that people really do use the internet and stuff, but I'm not using it, which was true. And, you know, it just brings up for me that I want so much. Why can't I be like everybody else and, you know, use the Internet at work? You know, I can I can handle it. And, you know, it's a zero-tolerance policy, so I'm not going to go that far. But, you know, I, I'm an addict, and I know, you know, that this, what I, what I heard was, you know, do I want to go on the Internet and, you know, read newspaper articles or whatever healthy healthy things I'm going to do, or do I want to be sober? And I want to be sober more than that. So, 
Um, you know, TV, movies, I, I, movies are something that I never thought that, um, I would give up and, you know, life is much richer. Um, without those distractions and those avoidances and, you know, and, and then when my wife brings up things and, and points out things to me or my sponsor or things points out, you know, you, that I might be testing a limit, then I say, well, why did I ever tell them in the first place, you know? <laughs> but that's the point. That's the point about accountability and, and, um, you know, I can't, I, I can't do this myself, obviously. I've, I've proven that over the years enough. So, um, I'm just grateful that, First of all, there are people that, that that care about me enough to point out these things to me, and that you know I I have respect for myself now, and I'm gaining integrity, and then I'm able to do these these things through the program. So that's what I have today. Thanks. My name's Franklin, and I'm. Grateful to be a recovering sexaholic. This is probably going to be, I have no idea what's coming this afternoon, but this is probably going to be the most important meeting I've been to because I realize how core this is to me. Um, <clears throat> my wife and I have been separated for five months. I've been in the program for about a year, and um, my own acting out and my own offenses were so blatantly obvious that I couldn't see what other people were telling me that that she has some serious issues or she wouldn't been living with you all this time we've been married for 48 years um so the thing that really um comes home about testing the limits to me and somebody mentioned it in an earlier share is what's really going on inside that's forcing me to test the limits um I um had been sober for four and a half months. The really mystery mysterious and sick thing is that from the time she walked out the door until um uh, about two weeks ago, I had no inclination to act out at all. And of course her question was, well, how come that was true when we were living together? And I couldn't answer that, but I'm not really going to really go down that rabbit trail right now. Um, strange things are triggers. My son and his family came to visit us, uh, to visit me, uh, over Christmas. And we were watching this family movie, Cranky's Surprise Christmas. And I don't know if you know the story, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time in it, but in the story, Cranky decides he wants to go on a cruise and forget Christmas, and his wife kind of reluctantly says yes, and so they go in a tanning booth, and there here comes Jamie Lee Curtis out of the tanning booth in a bikini. Excuse me. Okay. Sorry. Okay, never mind. Okay, thank you, thank you. Anyway, there was a, a trigger here that should not have been. Okay, thank you. And I do know that. Um, and so um, a lot of fear started coming up in me, but I didn't realize it was fear. So I immediately jumped to anger. Why is my wife somewhere and I'm here by myself and so forth? And so, you know, 
testing the limits. Well, I can go to this strip bar and just sit at the at the bar and talk to a woman because I haven't talked to a woman in four and a half months. Da 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 da. Well, of course, testing the limits and lost my sobriety. And so I'm talking to my sponsor about this, and my sponsor says to me, um, "We're not going to process this. Let's get to the real issue." Let's get to the issue of a fear inventory and the issue of an anger inventory. And then once I started doing this anger inventory, this thing got really a lot deeper, a lot deeper, a lot deeper, a lot deeper. And I realized that I was testing the limits because I was really angry. And this is what was pushing me. And I'm here I think not so much to tell you that story and I'm not, and I'm here not so much to, um, I don't know. I've really enjoyed the shares, but I'm here in front of people that I don't even know, but who are my brothers and, 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 uh, a couple of sisters to surrender to you now and to my higher power this need to test the limits. I don't want to do that anymore, and I'm surrendering that to you right now. Hello, everyone. My name is Chuck. I'm a sexaholic from uh, kind of a globe-trotting sexaholic. I come from many different places. Right now, I'm in Maryland. Um, I'm surprised that some of the groups that I've been with haven't developed a nickname for me like The Edge, you know, because like Chuck The Edge. Because every media I come into, you know, I say, you know, I did it again, guys, I played with The Edges. You know, um, one of the things I recommend to people is to always leave with their weakness. And it's paid dividends for me down the road um, because there comes points where you say, you know, I'm going to go play with the edges again, and I'm going to go back into that meeting again, and I'm going to say again that I did the same thing again that I told them about last week and the week before and the week before and the week before. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's been beneficial for me to, to always, you know, come out with it. It's, it injures the ego. It causes humiliation. Um, Nowadays, you know, I have this, uh, I'm in a situation where I have to sit in front of a computer at work and it's pretty much unblocked. And I, um, the thing that really works for me is, is attitude. I mean, I, I, I'll begin to notice when I'll have a certain mood or, uh, you know, um, or a desire to change my mood, you know, uh, curiosity or boredom. And I'll immediately identify that and I say, you know, I don't need to wait until I'm starting to click to start to, to, to do things about it. I need to take actions a long time before that. And, you know, I'm jumping into prayer, getting up, getting away from my desk. But, you know, a lot of it is, has helped me as attitude, you know, um, you know, I, I get up in, in the mornings when I get up, I, you know, I, um, the, the important thing for me to do in the day is to approach the attitude towards lust as, as not no, but hell no, you know, and that's, 
that's the attitude that works for me. Hell no. And some someone spoke before they talked about how they they spoke to their addiction. It worked. It never worked for me before, but it works for me today. I, I like to, you know, when I'm tempted, I like to tell my addiction how I'm going to kill it. You know, I am here to kill you. I'm here to. And, you know, all these violent, bloody scenes go through my mind. But you know, it works. It gets me in the right attitude to approach the sickness. It's, it psychs myself into the right attitude to take the right actions. It helps. Um, Hedges has helped me a lot. I've learned with, in terms of the clicker, I've learned, you know, in, in, uh, in traveling, I've learned that I have to get rid of the batteries to the clicker. I, I do every, I got a trip coming up next week. And that's my first thing I'm going to do, get into the room is, Get the batteries and throw them into the parking lot, you know. And when, when, it, when, uh, you know, I've done it. I've, I've done it. I've, I've gone to the bushes. Nobody's around. Shove batteries under the, under the mulch. And then when uh, it's time to go, pull them back out and stick them in. You know, that's it. You know, that's what I do. Uh, you know, I do bizarre things to stay sober. I think people think I'm bizarre, but you know what? People think a lot worse of me, you know, when I get caught. And, you know, I've been caught. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, my name's, my name's Mark T, and I'm a sexaholic. And uh, I'm always testing my limits, and I'm always going to test them because I'm an addict, and that's what I do. But the worst thing that I can do is is to let that old way of thinking back in that convinces me that I'm the best judge of what I'm doing. And this is where I need brothers in the program and the fellowship to help me sort it out. Because I know left to my own thinking, I'm convinced myself that like, oh yeah, well it's okay for me to do this and okay for me to do that. And the next thing I know, I'm going to just keep pushing and pushing. And... Um, I'm probably going to go back out there, and I don't want to go back out there today because uh, my life is pretty good today. Um, I don't know how to, I don't really know about boundaries, and I don't know how to set limits. And that's part of the, a big part of the reason why I'm in SA, because SA helps me do that. Um, in fact, I remember one of my earliest therapy sessions when I first got into sexual addiction recovery, uh, my therapist he said, I'm going to demonstrate a, a normal, healthy person and, and you. And he said, uh, he took a, yeah, yeah, right. He took a cup and a cup, you know, a drinking cup, poked a little hole in it and put it down. And he said, this is how a normal person has boundaries, very rigid, set, and you're inside and you look out and see the world through your hole. And he said, now this is you. And he took the cup and he stepped on it. He crunched it. He crumpled it up. He smeared it on the floor. He poked some additional holes in it said, this is you. I was like, now it makes sense. <laughs> and that's what it was. My boundaries were so violated. A uh, big part of it was, you know, early emotional and physical abuse from parents and family members. And so I didn't learn when I was violating other people's boundaries. And I didn't learn when other people were violating my boundaries. I didn't know how. I didn't know what boundaries were. I didn't know how to set limits. And so I know and a few other people had mentioned some other S fellowships, which I also tried. And, you know, it occurred to me that, okay, I'm coming into a fellowship to try to learn how to set boundaries, but I'm going to determine my own boundaries. 
that doesn't work. That's why essay works for me, because essay determines the boundaries for me. And um, so, again, that's just a little aside, uh, a little go essay, you know. It's, I love essay. It's it saved my life. But uh, at any rate, yeah, I'm always testing the limits, and I'm and I'm always gonna. But I need to just rely on on other people in you know other recovering people to help me figure out what's you know when am I testing? When am I going too far? What do I need to do? I need to take action. You know, do this, don't do that. Um, and and it works. And the cell phone works. And um, the meetings work. And um, the funny th- <laughs> this is actually funny. I ate a I had a banana right. And I'm holding on to this banana peel, and because my my boundaries are very clear about like okay when you eat a banana like I didn't think what I was going to do with it after I ate it, but here I am stuck with this peel and I don't see a trash barrel. But my boundaries are clear like don't leave a banana peel on the floor. I'm 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 clear on that. I'm clear on that. I wish it was that easy in in SA. It's not quite that easy. So. I am going to continue to hold this banana peel until I find a trash barrel, and I'm just going to I'm going to leave with that. And I think as long as I do that, and then I'll worry about what the next right thing to do is. Thanks. Banana <laughs> um, Brian Parles over lust um, in a different area. Um, I'll share. I I am a sexaholic. But I wish I was an alcoholic. <laughs> Someone once said that because I'm not, and I can do social drinking. That's what gets me into trouble. So that's a limit that I got to work on and kind of bring it out. Um, <clears throat> you know, growing up as a teenager, got into the whole drug scene and um, had a faith awakening and stopped the whole thing. Then I discovered lust, or we discovered it, and um, and. Parting was out, but I became socially uh, a drinker, and then I realized that enabled me to act out sexually. So I went months without ever touching alcohol, but then I realized, you know, what I'm doing is testing my limits in terms of, um, well, I don't need this to act out, but it sure helps. So what I've learned is, um, and someone put it this way, he says, he says, even if I drink a couple of drinks, I'm, I'm already triggered, and um, I can't even white-knuckle it. And I thought, wow, that makes sense. Think of all the times where I could get through uh, a trigger or a hit by white knuckling. He said, at that point, you can't even white knuckle. So I'm realizing that um, to tell the truth on myself and to talk to my sponsors and to talk about, you know, the loneliness. And, and someone said earlier, what's the legitimate need that's underneath in my heart that I'm trying to find an unhealthy way? So when I found myself at a bar, you know, knocking down some beers uh, with total strangers, I'm not connecting versus being with someone who really knows me and wants to be with me. And then maybe uh, whether I have something to drink or not is not the issue. It's what that does to me. Am I alone? Am I am I calling my sponsor? And um, it maybe just comes down to uh, even though you're not an alcoholic, just don't drink anyway. So that's something I've learned, and I just want to get that out there because um, I will – trick myself time and time again and and realize I'll do things uh, that I otherwise would not do. Thanks. Time for one more share? Somebody? No? We're all. We'll make a yes. final by all means. Anna. Mike, sexaholic. 
Thanks for the sharing. Just a, a couple of thoughts. Uh, first of all, whoever that gentleman was uh, who actually takes the batteries out of his clickers, I, I have been looking for you. I've been talking about clickers for 15 years. You're the first guy I know who's actually ever done anything about it. So <laughs> thank you. Um, I, I just, uh, as I was listening, I was... Some of you are hopefully already doing this, but I, somebody mentioned it, uh, and I think it's really important to sit down with your sponsor and say, let's make a list of the way I play around the edges. Let's make a plan to stop doing it so that you don't have to always be coming to your sponsor saying, I did it again, because after a while, if your sponsor's got any brains, he's going to say, get lost. You know? <laughs> uh, but but here, here they are. Now what are we going to do about it? Um, I just think that would be great. And then lastly... Um, uh, I, I think, uh, by way of reminder, uh, we need to be careful about, uh, not, uh, not, uh, commenting in ways in the meeting that can be triggering to people. Uh, so I just for myself need to just, uh, surrender some triggers and images that have come up in the course of this meeting and suggest that if anyone else needs to do to, to do that, we might want to just take five seconds here and have a little quiet time and then we'll close. Okay. Um, I'd like to uh, thank Mike very much uh, for his candor and uh, share, and thanks uh, to everybody else who shared their uh, their strength and uh, and their hopes and um, in this in this session. So um, please remember, this is an anonymous program. Uh, anonymity, easy for me to say, is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories you hear are told in confidence and should not be repeated outside. (coughs) Please keep any names, addresses, or phone numbers you learn about an essay to yourself, and what we say here, please let it stay here. Um, After a moment of silence for the sick and suffering inside and outside of these rooms, uh, let us uh, please close with the third step prayer. Mark, you want to lead us out? Well, the silence and then the third step prayer. God, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, to do with me as thy will. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may get everything I will. Take away my difficulties, that the victory over them might never go against those I would help. Of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, may I do thy will always.
to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.